So we are in a series called True Net Worth. And yeah, it's about money. I know, I was as excited as you are about that topic. I have to tell you, Pastor Ryan came to me and he said, Julia, would you go out to Shakopee in November? And I said, yes. And then he said, will you be part of the, the True Net Worth series? And I went, uh, let me pray about that. <laughs> but here's what happened. I did, I went home and prayed. And as I was praying about it, and just, Lord, are you asking me to do this? What I sensed the Holy Spirit saying to me was, yes, Julia, I've chosen you to do this. But it's not a coincidence that I'm asking you to do this on Freedom Weekend. See, for those of you who were with me yesterday, you know that we had our SOAR workshop, which is our whole Freedom Weekend at Hosanna. If you haven't been a part of it, I encourage you the next time it's offered. We spend all Friday night and Saturday talking about how Jesus sets us free. And it was so powerful, and the Spirit was just moving. And, um, and what I realized as I was praying about this topic and what God was saying to me was that as I thought about my life, I realized that the whole topic of finances and money uh, has been a source of tension in my walk with Jesus. And, and it has been this place for both me and my husband and our marriage on stepping out in faith. It's been the, the financial one that's been the, the stumbling block. Um, but I will also tell you, that the finances and the money has begun, become our greatest source of freedom. And so I really believe God has asked me to bring you this message today. And I believe that while this is a message about giving and finances, it is more a message about your hearts, about all of our hearts, about trusting and about our faith. And so I hope this is going to impact you in more ways than just your pocketbook. And I hope you will lean in and hear it with me. Pastor, Pastor Ryan last week kicked it off. If you didn't see the message, I do encourage you to go watch it. There was some kind of an anointing on him. That's all I can say. He was so passionate about it, and it was so beautifully done. I encourage you to go watch it. But he said that many would argue that Jesus talked about money possibly more than anything else or as much as some of the most popular topics. Why would he do this? I believe it's because Jesus knew that money and possessions can be our biggest stumbling block in following him. It can cause us the most tension. But it also can be the place that releases us into a freedom, into a purpose, into a sense of fulfillment like nothing else. It is that important. Now, I want to remind you that we are not doing this series because we are hurting financially. We are not. Actually, I believe that the giving at Hosanna is stronger than ever. The faith in this place is amazing. But we are doing this because we believe God has something for us in it. That, that this topic, God has something for us more than he wants something from us. And as we lean into it, we're going to grow and we're going to discover more about God. So that's what I want as my backdrop to that, that, that this message, and we're specifically talking about the tithe. The tithe is, is in the Bible described as the 10% of what we have given back to God. And we believe that this tithe is this foundational floor that describes a way of being with God, a way of being with God and being the people of God. But it causes tension in our life. But my hope with this message is that we will walk away understanding the difference between just tension and a healthy tension that's actually good for us. So last week, 
Pastor Ryan talked about the first time the tithe was mentioned in the Bible. And he talked about Abraham. Do you remember this, those of you who were here? Um, he talked about that, that God had promised Abraham that he would bless him in order to be a blessing. That Abraham had such a calling on his life that, that how God blessed him would actually touch every person on the face of the earth. And it has through Jesus Christ who came through the lineage of Abraham. And Abraham, right after he got this, this commitment of being blessed to be a blessing, was given a, a test, a, a challenge. And, and Abraham, I'm just going to cut to the chase. What he chose to do was he chose to give a tithe, 10% of what he had, to this obscure king called Melchizedek. And Melchizedek was a king that represented peace and, and righteousness and being right with God. Many believe that he was a foreshadowing to Jesus, or even some believe that he was Jesus himself making an appearance in the Old Testament. So Abraham did this. He gave this tithe to Melchizedek. But then the Bible doesn't stop talking about the tithe. It continues to go on and describe it when it's talking about the people of God. And it describes it in all parts of the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, Malachi, Amos, all different books of the Old Testament. Call the people of God to remember the tithe, to give back 10%, your first fruits, to God. It doesn't stop in the Old Testament. It goes on in, in the New Testament and describes the church. And Jesus himself even talked about the tithe. Listen to this verse in Luke chapter 11. It says this. Jesus says, You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Now, what did he mean by this? Let me tell you what he was talking about. At this time, the religious leaders were following the law. And so they tithed. They gave their 10% because that's what God said in the law. But the problem was they were treating people poorly. So there was this massive inconsistency by the religious leaders that was causing a tension, an unhealthy tension in the culture. It was hard to figure them out. They're doing the law, but they're treating people poorly. And Jesus comes along, and he, he basically says, uh, you're not getting it. Yes, you're supposed to tithe, but you're also supposed to treat people well. It's, it's not an either-or. It's a both-and. It's a way of being as the people of God, that we do these things because they help us to walk in the presence and with God as the people of God. And so Jesus tells us that. And see, I believe that the scriptures are showing we know as followers of Jesus we're supposed to be good to one another, right? We know that. But I believe it's also saying there's something about this tithe. There's something about giving that actually is essential to this healthy spiritual walk that we have. There's something spiritual about our giving. It's hard to put into words. Now, before I go any further, I, I just do need to say, if you are someone who is not a follower of Jesus, I totally get this. We're so glad you're here. And every week, we have people that come in that are just checking out this faith. And so if that's you, we're so glad. And I know this sounds like kooky talk. <laughs> it just does. But that's how Jesus talked. He kind of turned things upside down. 
And so I just invite you, if that's you, to just listen and lean in. You might learn something through this. But I really believe this is a message for all of us who are saying we're followers of Jesus. Because I believe the scriptures say that, that tithing, when it comes to our finances, it's the foundational floor that something happens, that we begin to rely on God and see God in a new way, that, that we begin to experience his blessings and know him as our source, and that actually it sets us up to know true net worth. True net worth. That's where we got the title for this series. See, we've been taking this topic of net worth, and in the kingdom way, we're turning it upside down. Those of you who know finances, you know that net worth in the world's eyes, it's, it's all about what we own minus what we owe, right? And the goal is let's make that number bigger. The problem with it is we can become more and more fixed on that, and it is a bottomless pit where all of a sudden it becomes part of our identity and we're trying to figure out how do I make that number bigger and bigger so that I feel safe and secure and good about myself. It's a bottomless pit. God, as always, offers something way better. And that's what we're calling true net worth. The true net worth is this concept of, of what we get minus what we give. What we get minus what we give. And that we live life like this, <laughs> receiving from God but giving to others. And the goal with this one is to actually have this number shrink, to get it smaller because we've become so gracious and so much like God, so trusting in God that we're comfortable giving and trusting him. That's God's better way to trust him with our finances. I am telling you this kind of living where we, where we have a mindset that moves from net worth, the way the world describes it, to true net worth. It is so powerful. It is so freeing. But it requires a lot of faith. It does require a lot of faith. I want to take a look back at Abraham. And uh, we talked about him last week. You know this. But I want to look in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, Abraham's from the Old Testament, but we have a beautiful description of his life in Hebrews chapter 11. And, and in it, Abraham is described as a man of faith, as a man of faith. So let me read this to you. It says this. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, his son and grandson, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. And then it says this, it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. Okay, I, I, that just makes me laugh. How would you like to be described like that? You're a man as good as dead. Anyway, back to the story. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people 
that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there's no way to count them. Abraham, Sarah, these people of God lived by faith. Now I want to talk about this faith word because notice Abraham in his faith did not just believe that God existed. He actually believed that God would act on his behalf, that God would move in his life. And so you look at it and Abraham had faith that that God would care for him when he left his homeland. Abraham left everything he knew, every source of security that he had. And he stepped out in faith because he believed that God wasn't just out there somewhere. God was with him and God would act on his behalf. Abraham and Sarah believed that God would fulfill his promises. God promised to make an entire nation out of him. How is that possible when they're old, way past the time of having children? But he believed that God would act on his behalf. And ultimately, I believe the reason Abraham's life ended up impacting the world so significantly was because he not only believed in God, but he believed that God would act on his behalf, that God really cared for him. See, many people say, I have faith in God. And what they mean by that is, I believe God exists and and somehow I'm connected to him. But I'm telling you, everything changes when we actually step into the tension of having to trust that he will move on our behalf. If you're feeling some tension right now by, by this topic, I just want to tell you that it's good. That, that not all tension is bad. That actually this tension is us wrestling with God's word. And what does it mean for our lives? But as we step into this tension, it changes everything. Because our faith is not just believing what God is, that God exists, but it's a combination of belief plus trust that God will act on our behalf. Oh, that's not easy, is it? We have to let go of our own false security and really trust him. Abraham was a man of faith. And I believe that God calls us as the people of God to be people of faith, to believe not only that he exists, but that he's for us and will care for us and take care and walk us forward. There's a healthy tension in that. Is this easy? No. Is this, is this tension that we live in of having to believe and step out in faith, is it something we'd like to avoid? Sometimes you bet it is. But do I believe we can grow in our faith without some form of healthy tension? No. It's all a part of this journey with Jesus. Have you ever heard the phrase, tension tunes a guitar? It's, a, it's often used in leadership conferences. Well, there's a great illustration we can learn from a guitar, and I have invited my dear friend and one of the best worship leaders. Oh, he's getting ready. I'll just I'll gush on and on about him. The best worship leaders on the face of the earth, Mr. Drew Russell. Can we just thank him for all that he does? I'm really not kidding. Drew is one of my favorite, one of my favorite worship leaders on the face of the earth. Now he's laughing. Okay. Oh, thank you. Yes, you're welcome. It's okay. We do need to wrap this up fairly soon. Okay, Okay, you got it. Okay. Okay, good. 
All right, good. So uh, Drew and I have been talking about his guitar and the tension in the string. So Drew, tell me, what good is a guitar if there's no tension? Uh, well, you can use it as a rhythm instrument, you know? Oh, okay, yeah, no. So its purpose actually comes from the tension, right? Absolutely. Okay, good. So tell me, can it be just any kind of tension? Uh, no, it has to be tuned right. So you, it, you know, it can be tuned like that. Oh, yeah, that's not good. That's not so good. That's bad. Yeah, so that's why we don't like that. Okay, so it has to be the right amount of tension in order to have its purpose. Correct. Okay, good. Okay, so um, is your goal then with your guitar, like you're doing right now, is it just to make the six strings sound good together? Um, yeah, I mean, if I was playing by myself, yeah, that, that, would, that would work. But it, since I play mostly in a band, I have to uh, tune to a standard to a higher standard okay I want you guys to remember this okay it's gonna be obvious but I'm gonna come back and talk about this okay so there's a standard outside of yourself that allows you to not only fulfill your purpose but help others fulfill their purpose too yes okay all right one last question Um, will you tell me about how you go about tuning it what are the different parts that make it tuned sweet so uh, there's a bridge Uh, there's uh, and there's tuning pegs here okay and um, basically, there has to be an anchor point here and an anchor point here, okay. and the right tension in the string. If you uh, have higher tension, it's going to be higher pitch. If you have a lower tension, it's going to be lower pitch. Okay, very cool. Yeah. So I want you to remember three parts to that. There was an anchor, there's a bridge, and then there's these adjustable tuning pegs, okay? All right, so what happens then, my dear friend Drew, yep. when you actually have it tuned to the right standard and everything like that? Should sound good. Should sound right. So, okay. You can, and you can and Maddie's it. joining us. Hey. Uh, so I'm gonna sing a little song. Go like this. So here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say you're my God. And we can sing along if you know this one. All together worthy. All together worthy, all together wonderful to me. Well done, well done. Are you done or or should we keep? Okay, good. Can we thank them? Thank you both. Thank you both. Tension tunes a guitar. Let's talk about it for a minute. There is a healthy tension. There's a healthy tension, and, and I hope what you're hearing is that in, in the guitarist's case, in Drew's case, it's actually the tension that helps to fulfill his purpose, okay? But it also helps to fulfill everybody else's purpose when they are tuned to a higher standard. And remember the three parts. In our walk with God, we have an anchor, and it is God and his ways, and it, it, it just anchors us. And, and then there's this bridge, and Jesus Christ is our bridge to God. But then there's these adjustable tuning pegs in our lives that are so hard because God gives us free will. But as we adjust them, we begin to tune our hearts to God's heart. That's our goal, is, is as we walk with Jesus, it is to tune our hearts to God's heart, to live in this way, and it brings us purpose, and it brings us fulfillment, and it impacts other people. I'll I'll tell you, my husband John and I, we began tithing when we were first married 
so 32 years ago, I know that sounds crazy. I know I was a child bride. I just got to say that up front. Um, but we began tithing, and I'm so glad because I remember the tension. I remember feeling like this sounds crazy, but we tried it. And, and as we did it, I can't explain it, but we just began to, to experience God's faithfulness and, and watch him move and trust him more and more. And it became this natural way of being for us, a natural way. But what I think is also interesting is it so influenced so many other decisions we've made in our lives. Because we have seen his faithfulness with our finances for 32 years, we have taken risks and stepped out and made decisions because we believe Jesus was asking us to. Both my husband and I, he's that cute bass player back here. Um, maybe you didn't know that. Anyway, both my husband, now I totally got distracted, sorry. Um, <laughs> Both my husband and I left lucrative careers because we believed God was calling us individually into ministry. So we were watching our friends' finances going like this, and ours are going the opposite direction. Now, did it cause us tension? You bet it did. We struggled. And I had to ask God questions like, God, I, I know you're taking care of us now, but are you going to take care of me until I take my last breath? Do I, can I trust you for my whole life? Because the decisions I make right now affect me when I'm 85 years old. And, and I had to ask God, am I just being crazy or am I hearing you? And every time we stepped out in faith to trust him with our finances, we had to step first. But then I, I, I would just see him and he would go, it's me. Trust me and wait till you see what I do with your life. I have to tell you, I would not be standing here. And I, I, you have blessed me so much, I hope I have blessed you. But I would not be standing here had I not seen the faithfulness of God 32 years ago and watched him continue to move me forward, taking risks and living in that healthy tension. This is what it's all about. I love this verse in Psalm 125. It says this, Oh, Lord, do good to those who are good, whose hearts are in tune with you, whose hearts are in tune with you. See, this is what the journey of Jesus is all about. It's, it's a change in our hearts. It's growing in our hearts in trusting him where we increasingly are in tune with God's heart. So I want to ask you, how's your heart today? Specifically when it comes to finances, because that's what we're talking about, but I like to talk about it in general too, is your heart in tune with God's heart when it comes to giving. See, Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if your treasure is in this bottomless pit, your heart's there. Whereas if your treasures are entrusted to God, your heart's with God. He also said, Jesus said, it's better to give than to receive. He, he did these points of tension that goes, What? But he did it because he knew if we're willing to enter into this tension, oh, he's going to set us free. He's going to show us how to live. So the question is not, should there be tension in our lives? Because there always is when it comes to Jesus, a healthy tension that stretches us and calls us forward. But the question is, what do I do with this tension? Will I choose to trust God? For those who follow Jesus... I'm asking you to enter into the tension and to think about and pray about 
and say, God, is my heart tuned with yours? And we believe that the Bible's clear that the foundational floor is, starts with a tithe and it's 10%. I have a really cool video to show you. Let's take a look at a story of a woman who walked through this tension. My name's Kim Ellenberg, and I've been attending Hosanna regularly for about five years. Uh, I started coming here at a pretty low time in my life when I was um, suffering a lot from anxiety and found myself in a, a spot where I was drinking every day uh, to cope with that anxiety and to just kind of numb my feelings and deal with life. I got into a point where I was in such a low that I had to reach out and start to get help. And that is what led me here to Hosanna, to the doors of Hosanna. And that's where I found really true freedom and real recovery through a relationship with Jesus. When I started attending here, uh, one of the things that I got involved in is the core courses that are offered, God's Story and Freedom Story, and I actually took them both a couple of different times. I learned so much in those groups about uh, a God that I had become very distant from, and I learned about a God of love and forgiveness and understanding, and I've been able to just use that as an opportunity to share uh, what God's done in my life. I just really believe in Hosanna's mission to become a church that looks more like Jesus. And the messages here just resonate and hit to my core. The ones that have been most impactful really are around being of service to others and tithing. And for me, being of service came much more naturally. Tithing, on the other hand, didn't come as naturally. Uh, it wasn't as easy to start doing. It was scary to think about giving away 10% of my income. I started by answering a call in church one Sunday uh, to sponsor a child in Ethiopia. About a year later, I started donating on a regular basis through the app, um, but I was only willing to give as much as I felt comfortable giving that month. It wasn't until 2018 that I stepped out in faith and made the decision to start tithing. I can testify that since I've started tithing, uh, my trust in God has just grown by leaps and bounds. In the last five years since I attended Hosanna, um, I went from a place of addiction and being in $20,000 in debt to paying off all of my, all of my debt, um, marrying the love of my life, buying a house, uh, buying a new car. I have to say most importantly, as I've put God first in every area of my life, including my finances, he's just poured out the fruit of his spirit in my life. Where there was once anxiety in me, there's now peace. Where there was once the need to control everything, there's now patience. If you're on the fence about tithing, uh, I would say to listen to your heart and to listen to what God's saying, um, to follow his lead. For me, it took a while, but I felt the pull of God in my heart to start tithing for quite a while before I started doing it. Um, and I just took the leap in, into faith. And you'll find that your faith will grow exponentially uh, when you put that faith in your resources and trusting them uh, to God. Quite a story, isn't it? What a, what a story of transformation. That's what Jesus does. She came in struggling with so many different things. And I just loved how she talked about 
letting go of control. I, I, I think all of us, I, I'm right there with you. It's one of the biggest struggles. And yet as we lay down that control, and God calls us to do that in all different ways, we begin to discover freedom and discover God in a whole new way. As Pastor Ryan said last week, you're never going to know if you can afford to tithe until you tithe. You just aren't. It's kind of like saying, we're going to wait till we're ready to have a baby to have a baby. Yeah, it just doesn't work that way. But once you do, you start, and it, and it becomes this way of being, and all of a sudden you begin to find yourself, and, and the scriptures show it, and we've got enough people that say it, that I can't afford not to tithe. It, it just is this way of being with God, and I see him move. It's just powerful. Now, if you are someone who is struggling right now with this topic, can I just say no shame, no condemnation in this. This is so not about you've got to do this to be right with God. Uh-uh. God, Jesus came to make us right with him. That's it, period. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus did everything. It's what he's done that makes us right with God. But what I can say is that this is purely an invitation and an opportunity to invite you into a healthy, healthy place of tension where as you learn to trust him, as you put God first, as you make him master of your life rather than possession and money is the master of your life, you will begin to discover your true purpose, your fulfillment, your, your joy in a way that I can't even begin to describe. That's what it's all about. No shame, no condemnation. Purely enter into the tension and wrestle with God on that. So here's what I want to do. I just want to invite you this week. Will you pray about this? Will, will you enter into the tension with God and pray every day about it? And, and here's a, a prayer that we wrote. Just maybe you want to pray something like this. Lord, help me tune my heart to yours in how I use my finances. I want to be in harmony with you. You feel it. Boy, when, when Drew was out of tune, now some of you maybe not have, don't have the ear for it, but those of you who do, you kind of go, ah! You know, but when you come into tune, you feel it in your life. You feel it. And that's what God wants for us, is to experience the freedom and trusting him that he will not only care for us today, but will care for us every day till we take our last breath and thank be to Jesus. Then we go and see him face to face. That's what we want to grow and trust in. I can't think of a better way to end this message than by, taking, by receiving communion together. Because, see, it's when we take communion, when we receive that communion, that together we are remembering, number one, it's not about the rules, not about obligations. It's about what Jesus did for us. That he came and he poured out everything for us. And as we turn to him, when we say, Jesus, yes, I want you to be Lord of my life. And we, pour, we give our lives back to him. That we walk forward increasingly in freedom and joy and fulfillment. Experiencing the tension, but then crossing through and being in tune with him. That's what it's all about. So here's what I want to do. I, let's, let's pray this prayer together, if we can put it back up on the screens. And then there's just going to be three verses on the screens for you to just sit quietly and meditate on these verses. They're all about tuning your heart. Um, and then we'll begin the steps of communion. So let's pray this out loud together. Where, oh, that's not it. 
It's a lovely one. Can we get the, oh, there it is. Okay, good. Let's try this one now. Okay. Lord, help me tune my heart to yours in how I use my finances. I want to be in harmony with you. Let's pray on that.